Hey everybody, thanks for listening to today's episode of Coffee, Cows, and Crops. Just wanted to jump in at the top of the episode here and let you know that we have a sponsor. So uh, we're going to have a quick word from AgSafe and then we'll get right into the episode with Kevin Elmi. Thanks for listening. What would you do if you could change one thing to make your farm safer? You can make your farm a safer place to live, work, and grow up on and we can help you get started. Sign up for Farmer's Care. An easy, free, and seamless way to make your farm safer every day. Go to take11.ca to get started. Sign up today and complete level one by the end of December to be entered to win a $500 UFA gift card. Coffee, Cows and Crops is produced by the Peace Country Beef and Forage Association and hosted by Extension Coordinator Johanna Murray. On this podcast, we discuss management practices and research results with scientists, ranchers, researchers, and farmers. We strive to share innovative information and farming practices supported by sound science and practical wisdom. So grab a cup of coffee and let's get learning. everybody, thanks for tuning into today's episode of Coffee, Cows and Crops. On today's episode, I'm chatting with Dan Benson, the Agricultural Water Specialist from Alberta Ag and Forestry. And today we're going to be chatting about farm and ranch water quality and managing dugouts through drought. But before we get into all of that, Dan, would you like to introduce yourself and maybe tell us a bit about how you got into water quality work? Sure. Thanks, Joanna, and thanks for this opportunity. My name is Dan Benson, and I'm an agriculture water specialist with Alberta Agriculture and Forestry, or AF, based out of Peace River. I guess to start with, I was raised on a mixed farm located in the county of Camrose. After graduating from Nate, I started as a term with PFRA, working on applied research related to water quality with farm dugouts. In 2013, I started with Alberta Agriculture and Forestry in my current role. I have been fortunate to apply my work experience to assist farmers on water supplies and water quality issues on their farms. I am one of five agriculture and forestry water specialists across the province that can provide assistance on agriculture water issues. Awesome. So to get us started, what's the most common issue with water quality in in Northern Alberta, would you say? When we are talking about water quality, it is important to note that many areas of the Peace region don't have an option to access groundwater as a water source. Generally, the Central and Northern Peace have geological formations that either don't produce groundwater or the quality is unacceptable for farm use. There are a few local exceptions to this, located in relatively shallow gravel aquifers. When talking about surface water, generally the most common issue with water quality is the high nutrient load that can cause poor water quality. When water moves across the land, it can pick up nutrients and sediment. Surface water runoff can also contain microbiological organisms such as viruses, bacteria, and protozoa. The other issue that is a concern is availability. Dugouts are usually filled by snow melt runoff. If we have a dry winter with little snowpack, the amount of spring runoff can be significantly reduced. Right, that makes sense. I know that was an issue this year for sure. Um, so what are the 
top three things since we're working primarily with dugouts and surface water what are the top three things that uh, people need to think about when they're building a dugout okay the first thing you need to be concerned about is you need to determine your runoff potential which is the available watershed that will fill the, your dugout the best way to determine where the water runs in the spring is by spending some time at the site viewing the spring runoff if you're not familiar with the flow of the spring runoff on a land parcel, the information can be interpreted by someone with experience with topographical maps. The second one is you want to size your dugout based on your plan usage and the runoff potential. You will need to determine what the demand is on the dugout, that is how much water you're going to use in a year. You will also need to determine if there will be water used in the winter. At this point, we're able to determine an appropriate size for the dugout. For example, if the dugout is located in a relatively small watershed, it will be sized larger than the same water use demand dugout in a larger watershed. Location within the province also makes a difference when sizing a dugout. Dugouts in northern Alberta require a smaller watershed than dugouts further south because of deeper snow snowpacks in the north. It is generally recommended that the size be sufficient for a two-year supply. The third one is consider the location when siting a dugout. Be aware that activities on the watershed have a large impact on water quality. Evaluate and adapting land use practices can improve dugout water quality and longevity. Cool. And for the purpose of this uh, topic, watershed is um, the area that's going to be draining into that dugout, right? So when, when we're talking watershed, it is where water was to land on the land that supplies a given point downstream. Mm. So, of course, there are large watersheds within the province and much smaller watersheds within those. Okay. So it's basically the area that provides water to any given point. Gotcha. That makes sense. We've talked to a couple of the watershed groups in the area, so I just wanted to see if it was the whole watershed you were talking or if it was something more like you were talking about where it supplies water to a certain point. All right. Um, I know there are some different guidelines for wall slope and, and dugout shape uh, that you have to follow when you're building a dugout. Um, can you talk a little bit about why that's so important? Sure. Um, the shape of a dugout should be a rectangle with the wall slopes being no less than 1.5 to 1. Slopes are defined as run over rise. For example, a 1.5 to 1 slope would be 1.5 meters on the horizontal for every 1 meter depth. If you're unable to walk up the bank of a dugout, it's likely too steep. There are two reasons we need to be concerned about slopes. The first has to do with the stability of the walls after construction. 
If the slopes are less than 1.5 to 1, say 1 to 1, are straight walled, which is 0 to 1, the walls are highly likely to cave or slough in. When this occurs, the capacity will be reduced and you will have issues with sediment in the water. Think of it as if you're paying for excavation that will fall back into the dugout. You definitely don't want that. The second reason we are concerned about slopes is for safety reasons. If slopes are too steep, they are a safety hazard. Steep slopes make it very difficult for people or livestock to get out of the dugout if they were to fall in. We have all heard of situations where livestock have fallen into dugouts and are unable to get out, leading to drownings. We definitely want to prevent that. Part of the planning for construction is determining what type of excavation equipment your contractor will be using. Dugouts are usually constructed with either a track hole, bulldozer, or scraper. Sometimes a combination of more than one are used. If a track hoe is used, a narrow rectangular shape is often preferred. A narrow design allows for the hoe to excavate and move the spoils or the excavated material away from the edge of the dugout. This allows for more efficient soil movement and cost savings. If a dozer or scraper is used for construction, the slopes are generally 1.5 to 1 are two to one for the sides and four to one for the ends. The shallower slopes are required to, for the equipment to move material out of the dugout. It is important that spoil piles be moved away from the edge of the dugout to reduce the risk of the bank sloughing back into the dugout. If the spoil is left at the edge of the excavation, the extra weight load on the banks can cause instability of the slopes. Placing the slopes piles at least five meters back also reduces the amount of soil being carried back into the dugout by overland flow. I always recommend leveling and seeding spoil piles to prevent material washing back into the dugout. That makes sense. So on the topic of things washing into, into your dugout, um, are there common symptoms to watch for in your dugouts uh, for, to, to help catch issues early with uh, either contaminated runoff or any of that sort of stuff? Yeah, there is. My advice is to check your dugout often. Look for signs of excessive weed growth, algae or cyanobacteria. Dealing with problems that arise early is usually more successful than waiting until midsummer. It's important to identify the issue so the appropriate treatment can be applied. Depending on the issue, some in situ or in place treatments might include reward herbicide for weed growth, a registered copper product for cyanobacteria, or liming for um, coagulation. Another thing to consider is to keep the area next to the dugout clear of trees and shrubs. Consider mowing around the dugout yearly to keep it free from woody species. Deciduous trees should be 50 meters back and conifers should be 20 meters away. We want to avoid the leaves and needles entering the dugout, adding to the nutrient load. Keeping the area open will also help with the natural aeration of the dugout, which will improve water quality. 
It is important to understand that a dugout is similar to any other natural water body. The quality will change with the seasons and the water quality, quality will deteriorate as the dugout ages. That makes sense. So um, this year, obviously, there's been some discussion about water quality and that sort of stuff, because in previous droughts, there have been some pretty large scale issues with water quality in dugouts and livestock. So is there something you would do differently or really watch out for more when you are using dugout water uh, in a drought? So in a drought year, your dugout might not receive any or significantly less spring runoff. If you combine this with the greater than normal evaporation, dugout water quality can be a concern. When water evaporates, it leaves behind dissolved solids or what is sometimes called minerals in the water. More evaporation increases the total dissolved solids. Cattle should not be consuming water with total dissolved solids above 3000 milligrams per liter. If there is a drought, it is generally recommended that you consider getting your water tested before using. If you have high levels of TDS, consider talking to a specialist regarding this, like an agriculture water specialist, or speaking with your veterinarian. I would also like to point out that if you are using water from a dugout in winter, the total dissolved levels will increase in the water as ice forms on the dugout. As ice forms, the process excludes dissolved solids resulting in higher TDS or total dissolved solids in the remaining water. I never thought about it in ice. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, when you think of the amount of ice on a dugout, it can be quite a large volume. So it can have significantly um, different quality water in the winter. Interesting. Okay. And uh, when there's excessive moisture, when, when we have a, a flood situation or the spring runoff is significantly more than usual, can we have water qualities, quality issues then as well? Or is there different things to watch out for in your dugout? When we're talking about excessive moisture, one thing that I like to remind producers is the location of the dugout. Dugouts located in wet areas are prone to flooding in wet years and high rainfall events. It is preferred that dugouts be located where they can receive spring runoff. Once the runoff has finished, the area around the dugout should not be overly wet. I often suggest that producers consider ways to exclude further water from entering the dugout once it fills in the spring. Intake structures can be used to prevent water from flowing into the dugout. A berm around the dugout with a simple gate opening can be used for this. In some cases, a few sandbags can be used to divert the water. Spring snowmelt is usually the best quality water to fill a dugout. If runoff from, a, from summer rains enters a dugout, it can, be, it can result in deterioration in the water quality. Runoff during the growing season is generally high in nutrients, which can trigger algae or cyanobacteria blooms, as well as premature aging of the dugout. Sometimes a large influx of nutrient-rich water into a dugout can be a tipping point into 
continual water quality problems. Okay. And lots of people this year have had their dugouts or their water sources run unusually low. Um, so is there anything we can do to help manage water quality over the winter or prevent issues next year in those in those depleted dugouts? When livestock are allowed to access a dugout directly, they can have a negative impact on dugouts, and this is compounded in drought situations. When they enter the dugout to drink, they push soil down the banks into the dugout. Over time, and especially in low water periods, it will reduce the storage capacity of the dugout. Direct access also increases nutrients in the water from feces and urine. This increases in nutrients can accelerate water quality issue. An example of this is cyanobacteria. Cyanobacteria thrives in warm, nutrient-rich water, and in certain conditions they can release toxins that can potentially kill livestock. I would recommend that livestock not have direct access to a dugout. By providing an off-source watering system, you will be providing a low-stress watering situation, better water quality, and greater storage capacity of the dugout. Not only will you save money on re-excavation of the dugout, there are many other benefits to your herd's health by providing off-source watering. For sure. Um, and we have started to see uh, an increase in availability and the reliability of, of remote watering systems that don't have to be hooked up to, say, power from your house or your barn. So um, do you have any recommendations uh, for people to think about when they're evaluating their options for those off-source watering systems? Sure. With remote watering systems, I would say that it is important to consider what works best for your farm. In some situations, you might want a portable system to move to different pastures throughout the year. In other situations, you might need something permanent. Be prepared to do research and to talk to other farmers that have experience with the system. I often recommend if you are building a new dugout or an expansion to consider in the installation of a wet well. A wet well will provide an access point for the water if you do decide to incorporate a remote watering system in the future. It's much easier to install a wet well during construction versus trying to add it to an existing dugout full of water. That makes sense. This is adjacent, I guess. Um, but I know there's some different options between the wet well and, and uh, floating pumps and that sort of stuff. What should people consider if they're trying to decide whether it's worth it to add a wet well onto their uh, dugout or just use a, a floating pump that you can put out in the dugout and leave alone? So with a wet well, it'll probably give you more options than just um, if you're just going with a floating pump in the dugout. The wet well is provides water um, from the dugout directly over to the wet well. There's an intake pipe that flows by gravity over to the wet well. So that is kind of a plus there. 
and um, it the wet well is used to house the pumping equipment so it would give you a bit more options on that end. That makes sense. I guess that that'd also keep it uh, from freezing or reduce your concerns about freezing in the winter, eh? Yeah, with, with the wet wells for a, a winter system, um, you know, then you at least have the option for having a winter system on the dugout. If you if it's pretty difficult to have a wintering watering system without a wet well, basically. Okay, that makes sense to me. Um, oh, I had one other question and it was, you went over it very briefly, but can you talk a little bit more about managing high nutrient dugouts or dugouts that are, have got lots of algae or, or um, green stuff in them? <laughs> right, so I'll start off by saying, um, as a dugout ages, it's gonna, um, have a higher nutrient load generally as it gets older because there's more nutrients make their way into the dugout. They're definitely a challenge. The higher nutrients you have, the more issues you're going to have with water quality. If you can remove the weeds over time, that will help. It's like harvesting a crop. You're removing nutrients out of the, out of the dugout. So if you have weeds, if you can remove them, that's a good thing. Um, sometimes uh, if you have duckweed, duckweed is a small plant that is on the surface of the dugout. People often consider it uh, or think it's an algae, but it's actually a plant. If in certain conditions, if the wind is blowing, it'll blow to the side of the dugout. So if you can rake that out, that can help improve your dugout. You're pulling nutrients out of the dugout. Another thing is you can remove... Um, cattails in the winter, the material above the ice, you can cut those off and remove those out. That can help remove nutrients. And there's other methods to, um, there's um, kind of different cutters out there that you can throw out and it'll cut the weeds off and then you can rake those out. So any kind of, anytime you can remove nutrients out of the dugout, you're improving water quality. If you have a real problem, you may consider pumping the water out of the dugout and replacing it with new water. Um, that's not always possible. But if you are expecting a good runoff in the spring, that could be an option if you're not needing the water for the winter. Usually the final option you have is to re-excavate and remove that organic layer out of the dugout. So that's kind of like your last potential option. So that can be part of a dugout expansion is one, one possibility. So no easy quick fix generally. Yeah. Um, is there anything else you'd like to mention? Anything that we've skipped over that you'd like to talk about in a bit more detail here? Sure. Um, one resource that I'd like to recommend is the Alberta Agriculture and Forestry publication quality farm dugouts. This public publication has detailed information on planning, design, construction, operating systems, water quality, water treatment, and other information related to dugout management. And it's well worth the time reviewing. So you can just do a search and find that um, um, 
publication online. I would also like to mention that a dugout calculator is available at the AF internet site. This calculator is a useful tool for planning a new or an expanded dugout. The calculator is set up so that you can input sizes and slopes to determine volume. So you can play around with it and use different um, numbers to determine what volume you want. If someone has questions on water quality, I recommend the Rural Water Quality Information Tool located on the AF Internet site. This tool is useful if you have, a, have results from a laboratory water sample from a water source. You can enter the results from the lab test and it will provide interpretation for you depending on your water use. So if you're using water for your household or for your livestock, you can pick those different parameters. Other resources is the AF water specialists. Agriculture and Forestry has five water specialists located across the province to assist you with your farm water issues. You can contact the water specialist by calling 310 Farm. Finally, the other resource is the CAP water program. The water program assists primary producers in enhancing agriculture water management for continued growth and long-term success of the agricultural industry. There are two streams under the water program. The first, on-farm irrigation projects, and the second, on-farm water supply projects. The on-farm water supply projects are the ones that I deal with. There are two categories of projects under the on-farm water supply projects. The first is standard incentives. Standard incentive projects include new or expanded water sources such as wells, dugouts, spring developments, cisterns, and unshared pipelines. Special incentive projects help protect the long-term viability of water supplies, including well decommissioning, well pit conversions, and wetland assessments in relationship to dugout sightings. Eligible expenses will be cost shared at a 25% grant and 75% applicant, except for special incentives, which are cost shared at 50% grant and 50% applicant, up to various maximums depending on the stream. Applicants do not need prior approval to undertake a project with the exception of dugouts and dams. If you are interested in the construction of a dugout, you will need to contact an Alberta Agriculture and Forestry water specialist prior to starting the project. Awesome. And I will put the, the links to those resources you mentioned in the description of the podcast so people can find them and uh, all of that sort of stuff. And for people who aren't in Alberta, I think, I know CAP funding is a federal initiative, but I think each province kind of dis determines their own uh, programs. So I'll put a link to both the federal and Alberta uh, CAP websites and you can do your research from there. Um, but other than that, I think that's all of my questions. <laughs> Thank you very much for, for coming on. I, I appreciate it. Well, you're welcome and thank you for the opportunity to share the information. 
East Country Beef and Forage Association is a research and extension group based out of Fairview, Alberta. Our mission is to help producers thrive in an agricultural system that is profitable, regenerative, and attractive to future generations. To learn more about what we do and see the results of our research trials or our archive of newsletters and fact sheets, check out our website at peacecountrybeef.ca. Want to get in touch? Have a burning question or a topic suggestion? Send us a message on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Thanks for listening. Thank you.